And welcome back to Fully Equip. Jonathan Wall, Andrew Tursky, Chris McCormick here to bring you the latest gear news from Tour. Guys, what's going on? Was that a new intro? I'm trying. I'm new trying intro. to like mix it up a little bit. We we do the same intro every single week. I, I'm I'm trying to get shorter. Maybe make this a little bit uh, more efficient. I really liked it. Short to the point. Yeah. Let's get right new to the business. Let, let's t- let's get to the point here of that. I'm the only one on this podcast wearing green as we record this on St. Patrick's Day. I'm I'm really disappointed that you guys are not wearing green. What 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 the hell? Getting called out immediately. <laughs> immediately, like fifty like percent Irish too. It's very unfortunate. I'm, I didn't put on for my people. That last I'm, name I'm from McCormick. You, I'm in trouble. I'm kind of in a. I'm kind of in a surly <laughs> mood this morning. I, I know that one of us is 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 in a very happy place because he's in the happiest place on earth. Chris, you, you're you're at Disney, man. I, I am. I am. Uh, I am currently in my resort hotel room at uh, Disney World in Orlando, Florida. My uh, on the grind. My wife is a yeah. My my uh, my wife's a school teacher, and we are. Uh, we are currently hanging out on her spring break, and I'm doing a couple of studio visits and having a good old time down here. No Mickey Mouse ears, though. I'm a little bit disappointed. I d- no mouse ears on the pod. I'm even it's more a, it's disappointed a copyright that infringement. we we did we did yesterday. We do a pre-production call right before we do the episode on Wednesdays, and Chris was zooming in from Disney, from from the Magic Kingdom, and I'm really disappointed that he didn't do a live. From the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, one of my favorite rides at Disney. Uh, it, you you went you went dark. You took the video off. You muted it. It was it was a, r- a real disappointment, bud. I you guys were uh, you guys were cranking. I didn't want to I didn't want to mess with the the well oiled machine that is the pre production call. Yeah, it's definitely not a well oiled machine. I, I can tell you that if, if we only, if we only recorded the the discussion on the pre production call, it actually might make for a uh, a pretty uh, yeah, a pretty hilarious podcast. Let's just put it that way. All right, let's get into it. Some quick hitters here at the top. Adam Scott returned to the Fujikura Ventus Red 7X Autoflex. Rest in peace. See you later. R.I.P. Had a nice Louis, run. It, it did. It had it had a brief <laughs> run. I you know we I think we were all in agreement that eventually it was it was gonna go. But but yeah, there were there were some guys. Speaking of Autoflex, somebody else who was considering it but decided to go another direction. Louis Tazen. This is kind of a funny one. Uh, he ended up giving away his Ping G four twenty five LST driver <laughs> on the fifteenth hole at TPC Sawgrass. He went on to eagle the hole anyway. He went three wood, seven wood. The PGA Tour's social account said three wood, three wood, but uh, Ping Tour rep Kent Note said it was three wood, seven wood. Remate Eagle on 15, and they're going to be looking for a new driver for Louie. Dustin Johnson weakened the loft on his three wood. And I think this is an interesting one. You know, uh, drivers out on the PGA Tour are adjustable. Most of them are. Some, some are still bonded. But uh, DJ decided to go to a 16.5 degree loft. He didn't alter the loft on his three wood he just went to a an actual loft of 16 and a half just you know guys out there are trying to hit a a certain yardage and from week to week sometimes they have to make those changes just to get that certain launch that they want Abe Anser switched back to Callaway Epic Speed Triple Black Diamond he was using a Epic Triple Black Diamond driver for from Callaway Uh, now he's in the new product Titles of the driver count with 44 drivers in play. No surprise there. They continue to, to kill it out on tour with the TSI product. Uh, an interesting one here, and I wanted to get Chris's take. Tyler McCumber decided to add bounce to a set of prototype Apex, Callaway Apex MB irons because of the Bermuda turf conditions that he's going to be facing during the Florida swing. I mean, this is a very like tour-centric change but is there any way that that a regular golfer could could do something like this or would they just have to get a brand new set of sticks i mean could they yes but it would definitely involve quite a bit of extensive testing with a with a knowledgeable professional i mean sitting there and hitting off of not only one type of turf but having access to a variety of turfs i mean could you change bounce yes it would involve some grinding uh and definitely altering that leading edge or potentially trailing edge or potentially both just to kind of optimize that turf interaction for that particular turf. 
So, I mean, as you travel around the country, I'm sure some of our listeners out there have an opportunity to play in a variety of different, uh, different markets, but I mean, going from East coast to West coast, the, the turf conditions that you play in are totally different. So you see those guys out there quite a bit that'll modify bounces on wedges, irons, eh, not quite as often, but could the average guy do it? Yes. But I, I definitely have to say that it would take a lot of testing. If you bend lofts, you'll get some more bounce on there, right? Depending on which way you change it. You can, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you can uh, you can generally go up to two degrees one way or another without really starting to to manipulate how that club's going to play. But adding and subtracting loft is is a way to to change the bounce as well. For like mid to high handicaps, pretty much more bounce is always going to be better, right? Like by rule. Generally, yes, and that's just the the consistency in their release as they come through impact. Uh, more often than not, more bounce is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Preach. So, this this last quick hitter I want to get into is a fun one. I I saw a picture that Aaron Dill, who's Vokey's tour rep, posted on Instagram of a set of wedges, a fifty-two and a fifty-six, belonging to Alan Moore, and he's a local club pro in West Palm Beach. He's playing in this week's Honda Classic. The wedges that, that Alan has in the bag, I, I'm shocked. I thought it was a joke at first. He's still playing Vokey Spin Milled CC, which is the competition version. It's, it's, th- those, are, those are the legal beagle wedge grooves. But he, those wedges are a decade old, and he still has them in the bag for a tour event. Did he like what, just what? stock up on a bunch of uh, <coughs> wedges, or he's been rocking the, the grooves, with the same exact? The grooves heads. are worn. I mean, maybe, maybe he did, but the groove, the grooves look. I mean, they don't look like they're shot, but they definitely. You can see the wear spot in the middle. Looks like a good wedge player based on where the wear spot is. But yeah, I'm sh- I'm stunned. I actually reached out to Aaron and asked him, out of all the years on tour, are those the oldest wedges you've ever seen from a tour pro, somebody who's playing in a in a tour event, and he said. Great question. I, I'm not for certain, but I would say yes. Those are the oldest <laughs> wedges I have ever seen out there. I, I'm still I'm still shocked. He's playing spin milled CC in the in tour event. Now I wonder if he's going to actually play him or if AD is going to get him into to some fresh product. Yeah, by like Thursday he's got the SM8s probably all stamped <laughs> up with his name on there and stuff. But I respect going with that old wedge. I was actually letting those wedges rock for. I probably had those in the bag for like seven years until the head flew off on the range one time. I still got the head in my trunk, but those are great wedges. <laughs> oh my gosh. Don't sleep on and those wedges, man. That's totally they, they opposite approach. <laughs> Unbelievable. I guess I guess if you don't want if it's yeah, it is the opposite approach. You, you typically want more spin in a tour event around the greens and and Allen is is going the, the opposite direction. He's maybe he's just gonna be playing like some serious like bump and run style all week long. Just just letting it trundle down to the hole. Maybe he maybe he knows something the tour pros don't. He's a local pro. <laughs> local knowledge. Never local know. knowledge. Never know. Local knowledge. All right. Couple a couple of things I want to discuss this week. I, I feel like these are both fun stories. You know, not not super like deep in the gear weeds. I don't even really necessarily know if they really tie so much to amateur golfers, but but they were certainly two of the hotter topics from the Players' Championship. The first one is is JT was seeing double during the final round. <laughs> he he gets paired with, with Doug Gim, a UT guy. I'm not going to hold that against Doug because he, he's a good guy. Actually, uh, I'm actually social media buddies with his caddy. And he's playing a backup version of JT's Scotty Cameron X5 Flowneck. So, so there, there are two JT putters. There's, there's the original, the one that Justin Thomas first brought out on tour. And then there's the backup version that used to belong to, I guess it was earmarked for JT. It would kind of be like when Ricky Fowler back in, I think it was like 2013, 2014, walked through the Cameron studio with Scotty and they happened upon a box and they opened it up. And inside is some blank G- Newport 2 GSS heads that were earmarked for Tiger Woods. So probably going to say it's something similar to that. I don't think he swiped a backup from, from JT's stash. But he was using the JT putter. And Tursky, you actually talked to Marco Mira last year about this. But it did remind me of the story from the 98 Open Championship when 
Tiger really wanted to use Omira's ping answer too. Omira said no, but I'll give you the backup. He finishes one shot back of Omira yep. at the Open Championship, and then Omira basically says, uh, and I'm kind of you know paraphrasing here, you know that's why it's the backup. That's why it's the backup. That's so cold hearted, and it's so funny. <laughs> it is. Oh, Omira Omira had the wryest smile on his face when he got to deliver that line again. He's probably told that story like ten thousand times. Just makes him so happy. Like, imagine having that one up on Tiger. So funny. And Tiger still tries to get that putter from Mark to this day. That's awesome. And he won't, and he won't let him have it. You just got to love that story. <laughs> even, though he's got a, even though he has a putter that, uh, that won 14 majors, you know, after 98, 99 yeah, right. was, when, was when he first put in the Newport 2 GSS to the Byron Nelson. Yep. So basically uh, about a year later. But I just think, you know <laughs> – Backup putters are, are so funny because typically tour pros will will switch. You know, they'll have a backup or two where if things start to go sideways with with the gamer, they'll just to get a fresh look. We've seen Jordan Spieth do it with the, with the 009. Basically, the same putter, just a fresh finish, not not a whole lot of changes. Uh, you know, Tiger's made. Uh, you know, I'd say he's probably gone a little bit away from from the blade style. He he's gone to you know a mallet head before, but it still had similar toe hang to a blade but you know there are their back you know everybody's got backups that they kind of keep that are waiting in the wings just in case and then there are always backups that never make the cut and it's i guess that was for jt you know he had some backups to the backups and one of them just happened to end up in doug gim's hands i love it how long before getting paired up with jt did he throw that putter in like was it was it recently or he's been playing with that putter yeah he's been playing with it um, okay. I actually, I actually looked at the photos online because I was like, now how, how, like, how similar is it? And it's basically the same, like, same look on the bottom and everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's identical to JT's. Um, yeah, I, I just like I said, I, I loved that story, and I'm sure, I'm sure Doug mentioned it to him when they were paired on Sunday that he was, that he was using one of JT's backs. I wonder what his reaction was, like. I'm sure he had no idea before before they stepped on the tee on Sunday that that one of his backups was in Doug's bag. No, definitely not. Definitely, <laughs> definitely not. But I mean, he got he got the win, so he got the one up, just like Marco Mira with Tiger. Years it's ago. It's all that matters. Yep. I love Get it. Got the win. Such, it's such such a cool story. <clears throat> the, speaking of of cool stories, I don't. I shouldn't say this. This isn't a cool story, but it's an interesting one. So on Saturday of the Players Championship. The, the cameras caught Bryson DeChambeau adjusting the, the sole of his driver. And if you know anything about that, that King LTD Black product, it has a spaceport in the bottom. It's, you can actually see through. It's, you know, it's kind of got a you know, clear color, and you can see through inside the head. It's kind of a cool design. The driver came out in 2015. That was actually before... Cobra had signed Bryson. I bring this up for a reason. When when the cameras caught Bryson adjusting the driver, somebody and I, I know a couple of people I saw on social media were, were claiming, you know, is Bryson adjusting his driver in the middle of a tournament? Like that's that's not allowed. So I reached out to Cobra to ask them, hey, what what's what's the deal here? You know, that they've they've got Bryson here on camera doing something with his driver. And what I heard back in return was that Bryson was merely just tightening that spaceport that at the swing speeds that he's swinging at that spaceport has a tendency to come to come loose so throughout the round bryson might you know even though they just caught him on camera once he might be tightening it before every tee shot or every couple of tee shots it's it's interesting and the reason why is because when cobra designed that driver one bryson wasn't on staff Two, he wasn't anywhere close to doing his, you know, speed training sessions. So they didn't design that driver for, for Bryson level swing speeds. <clears throat> and and that's that's kind of like Bryson's still using that driver. It's just kind of it, it's he's trying to get into the Rad Speed product. You know, the last couple of years we've seen him struggle to get into the new driver product right away. He'll try it. He'll go back to the old one, and eventually he gets into the new product. I, I know Cobra's working on some new prototypes for him, some new Radspeed prototypes. But for right now, it's still that that King Black LTD product, and 
he's going to have to keep tightening that spaceport. It's, 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 it's kind of one of those quirks that he just, he just lives with. I mean, I love the, that driver when it came out. I also had, you know, 170 miles per hour ball speed, not 210. <laughs> but, like, if I'm Bryson, I absolutely cannot keep playing that driver. Like, that's something that's going to get stuck in your head. That it almost feels like the club's breaking at impact. Like, if you've ever had anything loose on the head, you can't keep using that driver. It just gets stuck in your head, and it's like he has other things to think about. <laughs> He's got to try to yeah. hit fairways hitting at 380 at uh, PGA Tour tracks. Like, you got to get into one of the new uh, rad speed heads, no matter what you have to do. You got to test all of them, you got to get some prototypes made or something, but you need that new technology that's going to hold up to 200 miles per hour plus a ball speed you know what i'm saying he he apparently or at least he said in his in his post round speaking of crack clubs that he cracked the face on his forearm did you see that no i didn't see that how do you crack yeah. the face on a forearm <laughs> he, he said he said there he said he, he, he hit the ball and there was there was a like a hairline crack in the right right there along the leading edge I feel like I, he's had a lot of durability concerns recently. Like he broke a shaft, his space sports flying out, he's cracking the face of his <laughs> four iron. Like, four irons. What's the cover gonna come off his golf ball? Like what's the deal around here? That's Jeez. the next one. Oh man. What is that from like the sand lot? Wasn't it when the when the, when uh when like Benny the Jet Rodriguez takes the cover off the, off the, cover the baseball? Off. Yeah. Are we gonna, <laughs> Are we gonna see are we gonna see a Benny the Jet? From Bryson, he's going to take the cover, the urethane cover off a uh, a Bridgestone ball. I I don't, you know, it, it is crazy. You know, the golf <laughs> professional golfers are are designed to hit it as as far and as fast as Bryson. It just feels like every week he's he's hitting new numbers, and you just shake your head. But yeah, these these golf clubs were not designed to be hit at these speeds. And so, you know, that's, that's one of the things that I think Cobra has to get, to get a handle on. And they are, but you know, they had, they had to reinforce the, the face, the infinity mill face on, on the rad speed driver. You know, they did the same thing with speed zone. You, you have to just find ways and it, it might work. It might not, but, but that's as good as you can get just re reinforcing the face and kind of doing those things. But I mean, that's why Bryson is Bryson and he gets, you know, one-off prototype clubs is you, you got to find ways to make sure that things aren't cracking and spaceports aren't coming loose. But again, that's, that's not Cobra's problem. He's using a driver from before he was even on staff with Cobra. Yep. That's why you got to switch into the new technology. 2015, this just wasn't on anyone's radar. Now you got spaceports yeah. flying all over the place. What a scene. <laughs> oh my God. <coughs> it, it provides it provides some fun fodder for us every week on on the podcast because Bryson usually has something going on. Um, I'm sure after after what transpired last week when when the tour made that that imaginary out of bounds on on nine, I still don't. I still would have loved to have seen Bryson try and take on that drive and go over the water because there's still a tree to contend with. He would have had a blind shot over some hospitality tents. I would have loved to have seen that happen, but yeah, now I guess he's gonna stay quiet. So I, I can't wait to see which what line he takes. Like some crazy aggressive line at a hole going, going over like you know two two holes over to try and get closer to the green on a on a severe dogleg par five. It's uh it's gonna be fun to watch. But all right, so that's that's kind of it for tour news. I got an interesting one for this week for our gear spotlight. And this is, I guess I'm going to call it like mallet versus arm lock. Somebody reached out, and this was in in regard to the even roll, the V-series mid-lock putter, which has an arm lock grip. Um, he wanted to know if, he, if a mallet is going to be as stable as a blade putter with an arm lock grip. Now, if you're, you're unfamiliar with arm lock, it's where it has a longer grip that rests against your forearm. And I, I'm pretty sure what he's trying to ask is maybe he's a guy who doesn't want to use a mallet, but he still wants the stability found in the mallet. And would a blade putter with an arm lock grip be as stable as a mallet? Um, I'm going to throw this one to Chris. I, I, I'll be honest. <laughs> this, is, this feels very player dependent. Where, where do you fall here? I would agree 100%. That's so player dependent. I mean, 
that arm lock design, depending upon your stroke type and how you release the putter through impact, I, I've done testing with it. And me personally, I cannot get that thing to time up to where that arm lock gives me any benefit with stability whatsoever. Now, as far as mallet head versus traditional blade, more forgiving, so on and so forth, I, I, the grip itself, I don't see that being any benefit to level of forgiveness. I mean, the mallet head essentially is designed to be that higher MOI head. That's the whole design concept. So the idea that we could just simply change the grip and now get more consistency, more stability, have you, out of a head design, I mean, it's, it's going to be so player dependent. But the designs of the heads, mallet head, is going to be that higher MOI head I mean, compared to any type of blade design. So grip change, test it, test it, test it, test it. But if you're looking for more forgiveness, if you're not striking the center of that putter face, that mallet's going to be the way to go. Wouldn't uh, like the hosel or the neck um, have a big impact on how forgiving a putter actually effectively plays? It's, I mean, not necessarily in forgiveness, but matching it up with your particular stroke type with how you release the putter, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So if, I mean, if you're somebody that allows the leading edge of that putter to get ahead of your hands coming through impact you're not necessarily going to benefit from this hosel or this hosel whereas if you're somebody that keeps your hands in a forward press position and your hands are always in front of that leading edge i mean you're going to benefit from you know different hosel configurations same thing different hosels and different neck designs can give the appearance of open or closed allow for more toe hanger and more toe flare compared to a face balance putter though it's i mean it all comes back down to test get fit test a variety of different products those different visuals from the different neck designs will promote more uh, a right bias or left bias depending upon how it sets up to your eye so there's so many nuances when it comes to putting i'm always going to default to go and actually get a putter fitting to where you have an opportunity to test a variety of different shapes, different lengths, different weights, different neck designs, and just see what matches up not only to your visual perspective, but also the stroke type you naturally want to make. Yeah, I, I, I will say, going back to, to arm lock, from personal experience, it's not easy. It just it doesn't is, work. Is, I, don't, I don't get how, it, to, uh, how to actually make so, it work. Like my stroke is so, so messed yeah. up when I do it. <laughs> I'm the same. I'm the same way, Turski. I I cannot get. I so when for people that have, haven't ever tried an arm lock putter, you would think, okay, resting the grip against my forearm, I'm going to take the putter back, take the putter through. But you have to maintain that shaft lean, that forward shaft lean, and I I can't I can't do it. it there's something in my in my tiny brain where I can't quite <laughs> figure it out. But every time I literally like I pull the the putter back and I just bury it into the turf i I can't make (laughs) clean content consistent i I don't know what it is i can't make that clean contact on a consistent basis there there's something about that that like maintaining that four shaft lean kuchar has made tons of money with with that style webb simpson tons of money with that style uh jonathan wall no money (laughs) no money lots of headaches (laughs) no money no money and lots of headaches that's why i don't think it should be illegal I don't, I don't think it should be illegal because I think there's still so much skill involved with it. Like, I mean, look at us. We got three people here right here who have tried it, and we can't even do it. Nope. <laughs> it's yeah, brutal. No speed control whatsoever. I wish I could yeah. do it because my putting is absolute trash. <laughs> putting terrible lately, too. It's so frustrating hitting, like, 13 greens and shooting 79 with 40 putts. We're, we're, we're the trash crew. I I'm in the same I'm in the same boat right now. My my putter is, my 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 putting is abysmal. Let's just put it that way. I don't think it's my putter. I'm not gonna blame it on on the club. I'm just gonna blame it on my uh, my crappy stroke. I'm with Ben Hogan, man. <laughs> I'm with Ben Hogan. Just make it a separate separate game. Let's just get rid of putting. We'll make it a ball striking <laughs> game. You guys can go have fun on the greens. Oh man. Two putt rule. Two putt rule only. Ima- hey, imagine <laughs> if you imagine if you did that. Two putt rule. Once you get it on, I mean, jeez, b- ball strikers. Think about think about what what Rory's record would be. How many how many 
How many or Sergio or, or tour Serge. wins would he have? Sergio back Crazy. in the day too. He would have filled it up. Even even DJ. You know, DJ went through Ooh. stretches, and it's not like he's a world beater with a putter. But if you would if you would have given like two two putts once you, once you get it on the green, it's it's two putts, and you go to the next hole. I mean, he would he would have he would have more. I mean, look at look at the U.S. Open that that Spieth won. That's that's probably probably not going to happen there. DJ but missing then, that bunny. But then, what would DJ do with all his time leading up to a tournament where he's just testing putter after putter after putter after putter? Uh, Part of his routine at this point, he wouldn't know what to spend, do. Spend a lot more time on his boat, maybe on the <laughs> jet ski, and be even more relaxed and in a better mindset. Wow, that's right. That's right. You, do, you, do you know what the name of his boat is, by the way, to, to just take this podcast completely off the rails? Mm, no. I have just some chilling. guesses, but I don't think they're good for a uh, podcast. Uh, yeah, they're just they're not family friendly. <laughs> yeah, no, they're yeah. not. What is it called? Just chilling. Just chilling. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Makes yep. perfect fits, sense. Fits him well. Perfect sense. And yeah. Tigers, Tigers is called, uh, what, Privacy. Privacy. privacy which makes and that also sense fits as well, well. <laughs> yeah yep those are some well-named yep. yachts or boats whatever yeah. they are yeah they Good are yachts I, I don't i don't think you can you can categorize categorize those behemoths as a boat it's it's definitely a mega yacht i got a quick question yeah this has nothing to do with like anything we were just talking about basically that's fine let's, let's we brought, get to we it. brought we brought tiger back up so i figured it was the right time did you guys used to play tiger woods video games growing up oh yeah Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. EA did Sports. You, did you see the news? Yes. Tiger's it, it, back, baby. Tiger's back. In video Tiger's games. back. But he's not back with EA Sports, which is kind of like bittersweet because you know it's it's not it's EA not the same Sports. group. It's in the game. Yeah. It's in I the see. game. I like it. It's in the game. <laughs> and that that was my favorite. I still remember like back with like Tiger Woods '99. I mean, yep. throwing, throwing it way back there, and like you got, you, you could play that online. I remember playing it online on my on my laptop as a kid, and you know that's kind of seemed like even back then it was like, wow, you're playing against some dude in like another state or another yep. country, and uh, yeah, I I was a huge fan. I played all the Tiger Woods games up until probably like oh six or oh seven, <laughs> I would say, yeah. I uh, but, do you remember Cyber Tiger? Do you remember that game? No. You could you could play Cyber as Tiger. Tiger. You could play as Tiger when he was like seven years old, and then like the better you would do, you would graduate to twelve, and then you would play like when he was fourteen, and then you know by the time you uh, you get to the end, you're twenty two year old Tiger, and you can hit it three fifty. But I loved loved Cyber Tiger. I mean, I liked all the PGA Tour games too, but. Cyber Tiger was a classic. I know some listeners will remember that, and they'll be like, "Yes, I'm so happy you brought that up." <laughs> it, now, shout now, out to Cyber what, Tiger fans. What system did you play that on? That was the original PlayStation. Okay. Oh man, I love the original Turski, PlayStation. Turski, I still have a working PSP with those uh, the EA Sports Tiger Woods golf games. That's what I'm saying. That's so. Let's great. get it crazy. If, if you ever want to borrow it. You're more than welcome. <laughs> Bring it on over. We should we should all just like buy one and let's let's do a uh, let's just do an episode where we go head to head to head on uh, on Tiger Woods. I'm super down. We should get the we should get the new game. The new game's gonna be so good. Like think about how far video games have come. And Tiger's back. Like this this is gonna be the most popular golf game ever. Hopefully, online it's more play is so the, much bigger than, the than it was version. back in the day. The, the old Hopefully versions were so easy. I said, hopefully it's more difficult. The difficulty level's got to be got to be cranked up a bit. Yeah, you shoot like forty eight at uh, the old course, St. Andrews. <laughs> that was the thing. <laughs> like you're 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 eagling for sure. Auto eagle every par five. Probably gonna eagle a couple of par four, especially if you're playing St. Andrews. Yeah, it was just way too easy. I I mean, it was it was a joke. I used to play the the version the the version on your phone when I lived in in New York City. And I was always on the subway and, you know, Wi-Fi in cell signal when you're down underground was non-existent. So I'd play Tiger Woods on my on my ride to work and I would like literally shoot, you know, 48 every time. <laughs> it's like no, no problem. It was so boring. So hopefully the new game has has you know difficulty level cranked up a little bit. 
on a once challenge. That, once that tiger vision pops up, it's over with. Ooh, yes. Over. Love the tiger vision. Love the tiger vision. Oh, man. Oh, I love it. I, I love little 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 trip down memory lane there. I'm sure I'm sure some listeners appreciate that as well. All right. I got one more que- one more question. Yes. If there was Go if there was it. one course that's never been in a Tiger game that you would like to see in this game, what would it be? Mm, that's a good question. Can we go new course? We can go wherever you want, Chris. Whatever I I, I would say if we're reintroducing Tiger Woods to the to the golf based video games, then mm-hmm. why not do Payne's Valley? Ooh, I like that a lot. That's like, like a great that. video game course too. Yeah, home wow. state of Missouri. I've got a you know, there's there's a plug for the home state. You're from Missouri? Yeah, St. Louis. Wow. Used to work at Bell Reve Country Club before I moved out to Arizona. We're learning all kinds of new stuff about Chris today. <laughs> St. Louis, home of Nelly, the best rapper ever. Yeah, if if we're going on, F- on tangents, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm just whoa. kidding. I'm just the, kidding. I'm just kidding. No, I'm just I was about to say. I do wow, like okay. Nelly. I do like Nelly, but okay. The St. Louis. I've, I've got a Nelly story. Ooh, uh, let's hear it. Let's hear. It. Let's hear this. So, Nelly is a, uh, or at least he was. I've, I've been out of St. Louis for, for quite some time, well over a decade. Uh, but back in uh, my collegiate days, Nelly uh, at Dick Weber Lanes in North St. Louis used to bowl uh, very frequently. And after hours, we would have basically like high stakes pot games with Nelly at Dick Weber Lanes in St. Louis. <laughs> what? What? So, all the random things. You and Nelly just ripping the lanes up? Oh, no. There was, like, big groups of people. And the uh, the bowling crew in St. Louis is uh, is pretty vast. And there were there were after-hours pot games with Nelly and his guys versus, you know, basically, whoever wanted to show up with cash. And as long as you were cool... You could get in and you could bowl with uh, with Nelly and his guys in these in these pot games at, at Dick Weber Lanes back in St. Louis. Was he that's, wearing the backwards baseball amazing. jerseys back then, or or what? I everything. It was it was Nelly, but he was bowling. <laughs> he loved it. He loved it. That's that is amazing. I'm sure I'm sure Chris is a is a bowling shark. He he's probably like, yeah, I'm okay, and just 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 throw throw up a cool like 280. I was. I was never good enough to play golf in college, but I did go to college on a bowling scholarship if I want to go full nerd. Are you serious? <laughs> wow. You're being that's a bowling scholarship. Serious. I didn't even know that was a thing. It's a thing. It is a thing. Have you ever Amazing. bowled a 300? Like, what's your highest game? I don't even know how to talk about bowling, really. I'm so bad. <laughs> I, 11 of them. You have 11 300? 11? Oh, wow. Uh, it, We're so, the presence of greatness. To, to put it in perspective, this is for an anybody honor. that's that's bold competitively, eleven not that impressive. I have I have friends of mine that are well over fifty. Come come on now, true story. Wow. Yeah, we could Love we could definitely get like into the the bowling conversation with lane patterns and lane conditions and oil, uh, just all kinds of fun stuff. When I bowl, I can't even spin it. Like I'll I'll try to spin it and it'll just gutter immediately. So I just try to throw it straight down the lane. I'm real bad. We gotta, we gotta hit the, we gotta hit the lane sometime. I need, uh, I need some pointers. Oh my gosh! Yeah, you say get, get some pointers from Chris. I feel like, I, at least I did. I, I always thought like the equivalent to a three hundred would be like a hole in one, but now that does not seem like it's anywhere close. If people are throwing up fifty three hundred games, it, correct? Yeah, if the, a three hundred game is right. is not as rare as a uh, as a hole in one. Maybe like an so. Eagle if we then? go, if we go to the bowling lane, like you're bringing your own ball. You take it pretty serious, or or six. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got to see these. You probably, you probably have like, some fire too, some like custom bowling balls, right? A basket of a That's basket what, of bowling balls. He's gonna like carry them in. This is the most ridiculous segment ever. I can't I believe you're it. good at bowling. <laughs> so great. That's wild. J Wall called it though. J Wall yeah. called it though. You were like, you look like you'd be great at bowling. 
Boom. That, uh, yeah, I have eleven three hundreds. It went to college on a bowling scholarship. Classic. What a moment. Oh, what a moment on goodness. the podcast. I feel like we should the just golf like, podcast, cut the episode. Uh, just <laughs> He's boys with Nelly and has eleven three hundreds. What? I feel like we're trying to get it back to golf gear, I guess. Are we, like, but are we like do we even do we even continue? Like we, we still had one more segment here. I, I don't even know if I even want to continue. I just I think we should just like cut it there. But uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll go we'll go rapid fire on this on this last one and try and get everybody's takes. If you if you didn't see, um, I guess it was probably about two weeks ago, we did an AMA, which is an Ask Me Anything on Reddit. I'm sure uh, a lot of listeners out there have Reddit accounts. Um, it was on the on the Reddit golf page, and we just basically opened it up and said, "Hey, send us your questions. We'll uh, we'll answer them as as honestly as we can." And if you didn't see it, I figured this was a great opportunity to kind of offer some of those takes to to at least a handful of those questions, and and kind of also I, I wanted to to do it just to get Chris's insights as well. So, a few of the questions that I saw that I think are, are worth discussing one of them was how often do you feel that clubs truly have a change in technology for example is there a huge difference between this the tailor-made sim and the sim 2 or is it a mat um or is it a massive difference as an example the g400 and the g425 i feel like this is a question that we get a lot you know how like is it worth is it worth it buying a new driver if i have last year's model how big of a difference am I going to see? Uh, I'll, I'll give my take. I, I kind of went long-winded on, on Reddit. But but for me, if you have last year's model and you're looking at this year's, unless there's like a major change in technology, I look at like the Titleist TSI with the ATI 425 face, you're probably not going to see significant gains enough to like warrant buying a brand new driver. I mean, you can go and test, obviously, or something, you know, you're not having to buy it, but I would say if you're looking at a new driver to try and get gains, you could probably go three to five years easy and still be okay. What do you guys think? Tursky, what's your take before I, I dive into that? Yeah. I just say no need to upgrade like every year. Especially if you're buying product. I mean, the guys out on tour, they don't even necessarily switch every year, and they get everything for free, and they're fitted into perfect shafts that fit the head and everything. Like, I wouldn't feel pressure to uh, – I think three to five is pretty good. More on the end of five, I would say. I would say for the general consumer, five years. Chris? So my answer to that, if uh, if I'm representing uh, – you know, my club company, yeah, you, you absolutely need to get you know, something new every year. It's totally <laughs> worth it. Uh, now but no, truth. seriously. <laughs> so if, uh, if I'm being honest, most of the, the OEM R&D dollars go into metal wood design. So we, we all know that. Everybody wants to hit the driver. Everybody wants to hit it further. Everybody wants to hit it straighter. So you see more advancements in metal wood technology generally than you will in irons, hybrids, wedges, putters, so on and so forth. So when I'm talking to my client, I'm talking to my customers, about every three years or so is when the club companies will come up with something that is innovative and different from what they're buying from me this year. So it's worth at least checking your specs every 12 to 18 months but as far as expecting improvements usually about three years on metal woods and for irons it's about every four to five years uh wedge technology is depending upon what you're looking for turf interaction grinds bounces so on and so forth you can make wedge changes as often or as little as you like depending upon the spin you're looking for so i would say round answer metal woods about three years irons four to five and wedges is kind of at your discretion depending upon if you are a fresh groove guy or want different grinds different bounces for different turf interaction so on and so forth yeah like Jay wall said i would just i would test every year just to see like what's out there maybe something actually fits you better like maybe yeah absolutely. it's not maybe it's not going longer but maybe it's going straighter and it's going to cut down your scores especially with irons um I think that would be good. Test every year, but you know, don't feel pressure to buy if it's yeah, not significantly that's, better. 
that's pretty much what we're preaching is yeah, it's yep. it's at least worth the time to go and test. But when you start seeing innovations and improvements, it's usually about every three years or so with those metal woods. But you don't know when that three-year cycle is going to hit for you. So if they make a big technology change, all of a sudden, bam, that might be the one that just aligns up with your game. And even though your driver's only a year old, that new tech, that new innovation, that, that might be the one that just aligns perfectly for what you've been looking for. Right. Yep. Yeah. I'll, I'll get insights there. All right. Second question. I started playing golf about six months ago because of COVID. There are a lot. I mean, if you've seen the numbers, um, the, this, this question is not, I would say it's, there's, there's a large majority of golfers that are probably nodding their head right now. Cause they are the same way. A lot of new golfers coming into the space. They said, like me, many beginners aren't good enough to take advantage of a fitting. So, and we'll get into that in a second. So getting a proper, uh, getting proper equipment is a big hurdle. What do you recommend on the set makeup when starting out and key things to watch for? I'll, I'll kick it to you guys first before I offer my take. Uh, Chris, where do you fall on this? Because I know, I know part of this you're probably shaking your head when, when somebody says, <laughs> you know, not, not good enough to get a, a proper club fitting just yet. Uh, it's, it, yeah, I get that opposition quite often, as you can imagine. Ain't it? Uh, I want to work on my game. I want to take lessons and so on and so forth. And I always kind of combat that with, okay, well, you're going to work on your game and you're going to take lessons with clubs that don't necessarily complement how it is your body's trying to naturally move. So whether that be shaft profile, whether that be head design, so on and so forth. So, and if I'm talking to a player about set composition and you know, fitting, if you don't want to get fit, yeah, okay, that's fine. That's your prerogative, whatever you want to do. But when it comes to building your set of clubs, whether it be your first set or so on and so forth, make sure each club in your bag has a purpose. So we've talked about this, knowing your distances and the importance of that. But I always strive to make sure that whatever set I'm putting together for a player, each club has a definitive purpose. So each club has a job. Each club gives us some different look, whether that be height, spin, distance, or a combination of those factors. Oh, I'm always a big fan of building a set that makes sense, makes it easy to transition to the bag. And also, I don't want to put anything in there that somebody is hesitant to pull and, and play out on the golf course. Yeah. Tursky? I'm a huge fan of, like, not buying 14 clubs, especially for someone that's just been playing for six months. Like, I play with a lot of beginners. A lot of my friends are just getting into into the game. And it's like we're really, like throughout the round, if I'm playing with them, we're really looking for one club that's reliable, whether it's a 7-iron or a 6-iron, like something they could hit off the tee. They're going to be topping drivers. They're going to top their 3-wood off the fairway. It's almost more benef beneficial to hit like mostly 6-irons, <coughs> mostly 7-irons. So try to get something um, that's reliable and that you like and that you can get airborne and that you can hit. And then kind of fill out the set from there. You know, get a 7-iron. Get a Maybe get a pitching wedge, get a 60 and a 56, get a putter. If you want to get a driver just to mess around with, like get that. Maybe hit it two times around when you don't have to clear any water or anything. But I think it's most important to get that 8-iron, 7-iron, 6-iron, something that's really good. You can go to the range and like just hit that. You can practice your swing and practice contact using that. And then when you get to the course, it's something where it's like, you know, it's, it's that comfort level where you're teeing off on a tough par four and it's like, well, I know that I can hit this seven iron. So that's, that's my best advice for, uh, this, this range that we're talking about of, of people that are just starting because of, uh, COVID and they've been playing for three months and have no idea what's going on. Just get one club that you really like. Yeah. That's, that, that's some great advice as well. I think for me, it would be to, to get as many hybrids, fairway woods, you know, clubs that get the ball airborne as Tursky mentioned in the bag and, and don't, don't be afraid to, you know, especially early on, if you, if your setup doesn't start with like a traditional iron until the seven iron, uh, you know, don't, don't be afraid. I mean, that's, that's a, a totally acceptable setup for a beginner because mm -hmm. again, you're, you're probably struggling with launch a little bit. Forgiveness is not something that you're really, you know, <laughs> you're, you're going to want as much as you can possibly get. So, so throw some high lofted fairways in the bag, things that when you set it down, it's going to give you confidence. 
Confidence is so big for beginners that that I think it's it's important to have those sort of clubs in the bag towards the top of the set because it always feels like beginners really struggle um, just to kind of keep it in play. Usually around the greens as they start to kind of figure the game out, it seems like that sort of kind of like starts to improve. But but that, the long game, it always feels like if you're out of play right off the bat or if you're constantly struggling on your second shot to get it somewhere around the green, that, that can make the game difficult. So, yeah, don't be afraid to, to add a few more high-lofted fairways or hybrids or, or, you know, super game improvement irons there at the top that have the, the big profile. Yeah, you just see it all the time. They try to tee off with driver. They top it. They get super frustrated. They make a 12 on the hole. It's like we could have avoided this whole thing by hitting six iron off the tee. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> Agreed. All right, a couple more, couple more, and uh, we'll close it out for this week. Next one is, how big of a difference does golf ball choice make for a beginner? And if you'll allow two-parter, what is the best golf ball for a beginner with decent swing speed? Chris? <laughs> I'd you say for – <laughs> Yeah, for a beginner uh, – the $4 golf ball gets lost just as easy as the 50 cent golf ball. If you're yeah. just getting started, uh, something round is, uh, is probably the best golf ball for you. Yep. Oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try and sell a $45 dozen of golf balls to a, a brand new beginning player. It just doesn't make sense in my mind. They're not going to see the performance benefits. So if I were to get down to kind of the, the brass tacks of it, the, the softer compression golf ball can feel a little bit better uh, mm-hmm. to a beginning player, especially somebody that's got a little slower swing speed. So something that is a, a softer composition is probably going to be a little better feeling than, than something that is a rock. Mm-hmm. But performance benefits for a brand new player, minimal at best. Yeah. Perfectly said. I, uh, I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I, I I think the only thing that I would add to that is a lot of the golf ball manufacturers. You know, for years it seemed like there were there were basically two versions of golf balls. You had your your tour level premium balls, and you had your you know distance golf balls, the the firmer covers, uh, two piece golf ball, and you know it doesn't do a lot other than just go really far. And now a lot of ball manufacturers are kind of adding that that middle category where. It, it might have a urethane cover. Um, you know, it might not have, it might not be a four piece golf ball, but it's going to give you, it's going to give you more of that greenside spin that maybe you weren't able to get with a distance ball. And the price point is not in that 45 to $50 a dozen. It might be 25 bucks. Um, it's, it's, you know, there are some that are under 30. And, and so that, that to me is where I would say you don't have to, to say, well, I'm a beginner. I have to play, you know, a twenty dollar a dozen golf ball that's a pure distance ball. No, you you can spend an extra five, seven bucks on a dozen balls and get that additional, you know, spin around the green where you don't really feel like you're sacrificing anything. Maybe you don't notice it as much, but I, I guarantee you, you know, just a little bit of a softer cover is gonna help get that ball to to, you know, drop and stop on some of those shots when you do hit it clean from around the green. Quick question here. Would you rather get a bunch of uh, refurbished golf balls, like say it's Pro V1, like, you know, refurbished used, or would you rather get new, cheaper ones? New, cheaper. Okay. 100%. I I was having this argument with a buddy uh, over the weekend. Yeah. That's that's what I I said. Refurbished, I just don't trust. I don't know if you don't know where they've been. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And that's the thing. You don't know where that (laughs) golf ball's been. You know, they can, you know, there, there are different ways where you can kind of repaint the cover. Um, to mm-hmm. make it look newer and, and like like a fresh Titles Pro V1. But again, like you said, you don't know if it's been waterlogged. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you, can, you can put lipstick on a, on a pig, I guess. If, if, <laughs> I, mean, really, I don't know why you'd want to. But. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why you'd want to, but you know, you, you can you can take you can take a, a waterlogged Pro V1 if you wanted to, and, and you know, dupe somebody and, and make them pay. It, it, yeah, I, I fresh golf balls all day long. I, I think that's that that's the way to go. Okay, agreed. Yeah. Last last question, and we'll close it out. 
For us low single-digit handicappers, do you think the developments in irons from matter from year to year as much as driver technology does? I'm just going to say no right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, especially because irons, like, I always feel like it's way more important to hit your number. It's not necessarily about hitting it farther or even hitting it straighter. It's about, like, hitting it where you want. Like, you're trying to drop that iron into a bucket. With a driver, yep. you're just trying to send it high and far, you know? Yeah. Yep, for sure. And if you're if you're a low single digit, you're you're probably not interested in changing your your iron profile or you know messing with your carry numbers all that much. You're you're probably yep. closer to a tour pro where you want your numbers to stay static from from one set to the next. You you're not looking you're not looking to have to, to deal with that because again, you're you're relying on your clubs to do what they've done for years for you if you, if you're a good player. So I think for me, it's, you know, I don't even necessarily know if I'd, if I'd focus on like driver technology, because for me, I feel like drivers have, have kind of hit the ceiling to some extent, you know, we are seeing, uh, you know, some cha- you know, improvements in driver face technology, but it seems like drivers for the most part, we're, we're kind of bumping up, like I've said before, bumping up against that distant ceiling. I focus close. more on, yeah, on, on ball, ball and wedge technology for me, um, you know, keep keep a closer eye on on what's going on. You know, wedge space. We've seen a whole lot of improvements in in groove technology. Um, you know, with, especially with the, with the introduction of the micro grooves in between the the main grooves that that adds that additional spin. If you're a, if you're a low single digit, your your short game is is far more important because you're probably a decent ball striker. Um, you know, same with like ball technology, you know, you want to be able to, to see maybe if there are any improvements in, in some of the balls coming out. We've seen some new cover formulations. Um, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where I would focus more on short game technology and what's coming out than I would like iron technology. Because, again, you're probably playing a pretty traditional blade or a small cavity back and, and there isn't probably a whole lot of technology going on there. Yep, agreed. So, all right. Well, that'll close it out. You can always go to Reddit if you want and, and search for the rest of our answers to the AMA. But I think that's a good way to, to close out the final segment of episode 82. If you're looking for more gear news, you can always find us on social media. We're at fully underscore equipped on Twitter and at fully equipped golf on Instagram. Thanks as always for listening. We'll see you around.